Hello and welcome back to Beauty Brains and a Big Mouth, the podcast. My name is Kim and literally I just saw this video, you guys. So this might be a little bit of a all over the place episode um, because <laughs> I'm kind of like it's coming to me as I'm talking to you. But I just saw a video. The guy was like, I don't believe in premarital exclusivity. And I said, what? <laughs> and and then I watched it again. He said, I don't believe in premarital exclusivity. And I was like, so like dating, like exclusive date, like, like this is my girlfriend. I'm only dating one girl. So I was like, okay. And so I thought about it, premarital exclusivity. And then he said, you know, what? he kind of approached it from like the idea of what makes us think that we deserve each other on that level with no commitment. And I said, Hmm, okay. Interesting. Like, like I was like, mm, he might have a point, right? Like, like I surprised myself, my first <laughs> reaction to premarital exclusivity. It makes me laugh even just saying it. My first reaction was, huh, like, like he might have a point, right? And so I thought about it and I was like, well, you know, that is how we get ourselves into all of these situations that we find um, in that kind of premarital stage, right? This is how you find yourself in these situationships or how you find yourself in a relationship for you know, five, six, seven years, and you don't know what's next, right? You don't know if he's going to ask you to marry him, You nothing, right? And so you kind of just floating around in the abyss, not knowing, you know, what your future looks like. And so, you know, it's like the old saying, you know, why buy the cow when I can get the milk for free? And a lot of people think about that and they think about it like in a sexual way, like why would I put a ring on it when she's, you know, giving up the goods or whatever. But if you think about it, that applies to so many other things that come along with marriage, right? Um, it's like, like the old folks say, you play in house, you know, um, you get into a situation where you're doing wife things, but you're still girlfriend status, you know? And this this could be a little bit of a touchy subject for a lot of people, too, because, you know, what constitutes this as wife versus girlfriend duties? You know, um, what does that look like and how almost like a how do I know if I want to wife her? Right. If I'm not getting a glimpse of what she's like as a wife or whatever the case may be. And. You know, but then you get in a situation where she's doing these things, right? Y'all are playing house. You're getting wife duties from a girlfriend. And then that's where the complacency sets in. And that's where you get too comfortable. And I guess some people are thinking, you know, why would I mess this up? You know, why would I introduce a ring? Why would I? 
try to change our dynamic or our relationship or whatever we're doing just fine, you know, and she may be sitting there thinking, you know, she's doing the things to prove to you that she is wife material and all the things. And so like, as the time passes, she doesn't understand why you haven't gotten the ring, why you haven't popped the question things of that nature. So we've created a lot of confusion here, right? which ultimately I think all can be resolved with a little communication, but that's a different episode. Um, And so the idea of not participating in premarital exclusivity uh, is kind of intriguing, right? Because no, I'm not going to participate in wife things when I'm not a wife, you know? And I think that that should be understandable. I'm not going to ask you to participate in husband things when you're not a husband. Okay. So this goes both ways. Let's not get it twisted. And so the, that the argument there is very interesting. And so I I can kind of, I was leaning into it there for a little bit. And I, I was like, I was like, yeah. And so, you know, the guy was explaining this and then of course, Somebody else comes in and they're like, mm, no, I don't think I agree with that. You know, how can, and then, so it goes back to the earlier point, it's how can I know that you would be a faithful husband and that you would, you know, participate in the marriage in a way that you should if I don't have any kind of like reassurance, if I've never had that experience, right? So if we go all the way, like if we're single until we're married, which is basically what this is, if there's no commitment between us before like that ultimate commitment, then how can I be reassured that once we do make that ultimate commitment, that I'm gonna have your fidelity, that I'm gonna have your faithfulness, that it's just gonna be me and you, you know what I'm saying? And so obviously the loophole to that is that you can't ever guarantee it. You can't ever guarantee it because if you, if you did, then there'd be no infidelity in marriages. So you, you can't really guarantee that. You can't really be assured. But again, something just doesn't really sit right in my soul about not participating in premarital exclusivity. And so, you know, it's this, just like that one thing that keeps me from going all the way to the dark side, right? It's like, I can understand and you've presented an interesting argument here and and you've almost won me over, right? And so now I'm struggling. I'm like, is this because of what society has said? Is this because of what's ingrained in me? And I need to look at this a little bit differently. Um, or is this, you know, just a, just a core belief to me, right? That doesn't have anything to do with anything else. And so the guy kind of messes himself up because he's like, well, if you go to a restaurant, you know, you don't need to see the kitchen before you order your food. And she's like, no, I don't need to see it. But if presented the opportunity, I'm going to go see the kitchen. Right. I want to see that the the kitchen is clean. You know, I want to make sure that everything's on the up and up before I order my food, because if I find something that's, you know, unsavory, if I find something that's not right, then obviously, you know, I'm not going to order food. I'm not going to eat at this place. Right. So that's a very very good argument. Um, and so I guess participating in 
premarital exclusivity. Guys, I'm going to say it. You turn it into a drinking game or something. Because every time I say premarital exclusivity, I want to die. Um, but participating in that, you know, I guess is one of the only ways that you can kind of get some kind of semblance of what marriage would be like with this person. Because isn't that the point of dating? Right? Like you don't, it makes me think about these, these reality shows, you know, like married at first sight and stuff. It's like, I'm marrying a stranger. Like, I don't know anything about this person. The first time I'm meeting this person is, you know, as he, she's walking down the aisle or I'm walking down the aisle, you know, and that's the first time I'm meeting the person that's going to become my spouse. Right. And so you know, not even that, but I mean, this stuff happens still modern day. I mean, there are arranged marriages out there. Um, they work a little bit differently. I mean, you do actually get to meet your spouse before you marry them, but you know, in, in the modern Western society, we'll say that is basically what dating is. You are getting to know this person and trying to figure out if this is a person that you could potentially spend the rest of your life with, right? And so I'm sitting here thinking, if you don't participate in some kind of exclusivity, how do you figure out if this is the person that you want to spend the rest of your life with? So if you're entertaining, we're not even going to be ridiculous with it. Even if you're just entertaining two people, how do you make that determination, right? How do you pick one over the other? How, what, where does the priority come in at, right? And if you were to, like, if you were to do the single until married thing, at what point does, I mean, I feel like there's not a point in where you can't not be exclusive, right? Because does the exclusivity come in when you pop the question? I mean, y'all not going to the courthouse the next day to get married. So, I mean, there's going to be a period of ex exclusivity between the time you ask and the time y'all actually get married, right? Or, you know, are you just still living your life until you know, on up until the moment I do comes out of your mouth. Like, you know, so the, those are things that to consider, right? Like at some point, wouldn't it be a good idea to participate in some exclusivity with the person that you feel like you're going to spend the rest of your life with? Because this could be 30, 40, 50 years of your life with this person, right? And so that seems like very important, right? It's, Asking someone to marry you is not a fly-by-night question. It's it's monumental. It is life-changing. You're asking someone to participate in life with you forever. <laughs> That's basically what we're doing. You know, me and you until the wheels fall off. I get up in the morning, boom, you're there. I go to sleep at night, boom, you're there. <laughs> you know? And so... It seems like you would want to do your due diligence, right? You would want to know without a shadow of a doubt that this is the right choice. And so I'm asking, how can you do that without some level of exclusivity, 
before you decide to make that commitment. Because, you know, to my point earlier, you can be in an exclusive monogamous relationship and not be playing house, you know, and not be getting caught up in situationships and not knowing the direction of your relationship. Both parties don't have to be confused about what this is for us to know that our relationship is between just us two and what our future looks like. So that can happen. I made the point earlier to illustrate, you know, that maybe premarital exclusivity is not does is not something that necessarily has to happen because when you know you do participate in an exclusive relationship these are some of the things that can happen yes yes so but there are also some things um that can can save you from that you know and there's been plenty of people who've participated in premarital exclusivity where it did not turn out that way so you know, there's just a few questions that I have. The video is only a snippet, so I really would have liked to have seen the guy defend his point a little bit further. Because uh, like I said, he had me there in the mid in, in the beginning. I was like, you know what? Dude might have a point. <laughs> but then again, you know, I'm I'm thinking about it like every other thing that we do in life, right? When you are studying for a test, right? And you want to pass the test. So you're going to study, you're going to read the books, you're going to do the practice problems, you're going to, you know, use all your available resources, right? Because you want to ace this test. Well, marriage and dating are kind of the same thing, right? If marriage is the test that you're hoping to ace, then dating is the studying, right? And so say you got to study for all of your finals and, you know, they happening on different days or whatever the case may be. You need to prioritize what you're going to study when, how long you're going to study it. Do you feel like you have a good grasp on this information? And maybe you can spend more time on this information. You know, that's a lot that you got to figure out, right? Why would you do that to yourself in dating? So you're entertaining multiple women. And like I said, at what point do you decide that you want to cut off these other women and just focus on the one girl? And you know, get to know her and do all the things that you need to do in order to ensure that this is your wife. This is the person that you want to spend the rest of your life with. And and how long does that take, right? How much information do you need to gather from her in order to make that determination? And so it's like, when does this happen? And is that adequate time? And so you can feel as confident as possible when you stand up there ready to take those vows and make this commitment. So I find that interesting, you know, now that I've kind of broken it down a little bit and thought about it a little bit more that, you know, dating is necessary, you know, um, when you're going into such a big commitment, I mean, with all of the things that you can't control in a situation like this, because dating and marriage is one of those wild card things, right? You really don't know how it's going to turn out. You really don't know how successful it's going to be because 
there's many variables that you just can't control. The only thing you can control is you. So if you're making the decision to be exclusive before marriage, to get all the information and gain all the necessary data, so to say, that you need from this person in order to confirm that you can spend the rest of your life with this person. Why wouldn't you do it? Why wouldn't you give yourself every available tool and every available resource to make sure that you are making the right decision? And so sometimes I think that people just think that marriage and dating and all of the things that go into romantic relationships are kind of just not important or willy-nilly or they just don't put the, I guess that's what the importance on it that they need to put on it. You know, it's like, well, if it, I guess it's, it's like that, um, too many choices. Like if this doesn't work out, then I'll go find another one. And that kind of scares me, right? Because at what point do you decide that you really just want that one person, you know? And like, if you put yourself in the, in that situation, right? And it's like, your partner's not really taking you that serious. They're not really putting in the work. They're not prioritizing. It doesn't matter because if it doesn't work out with you, there's somebody else. You know, it's like when people say there's plenty of fish in the sea. Sometimes that's nice to hear, especially after a breakup and you're just like, you know, yeah, that didn't work out. Of course, you don't want to dwell on it or whatever. There's plenty of fish in the sea. But also, too, it's like mm, there is something alluring about, you know, they're just being that one person, right? That one person that's out there for me, that I get to do this life with, me and them. And so you think about the process, you know, of dating and, and getting to that point of finding that person and only wanting that person and then making that commitment. But how can you do that effectively without some sort of premarital exclusivity. Anyway, I think what drug what drew me into that video is he said premarital exclusivity and I was like, huh, like what? Like, <laughs> like y'all just getting creative with the language out here and I love it. Um, but what do you guys think? Premarital exclusivity. Head to the show notes. Leave me some feedback. I'd love to know. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this one. It was just really just sitting there. I hope it wasn't too much of a ramble for you and you could follow me, but I had to hop on that one. Uh, give me five stars, guys. Give me five stars. I really appreciate it. Follow this podcast. You can rate and follow on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and anywhere you get your podcasts. I appreciate you guys so much. And until next time, stay tuned. Bye, guys.